Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. Over the last few weeks, we have studied the life of Abraham. We have seen his ups and we have seen his downs. We have seen the great victories that he's had. We have seen the failures. We've noted that this man has made a difference for God. We've noted that this man also has had those times of weaknesses in his life because he was a human individual. But yet we come to Genesis 25 and we see God call him home. Now, you know, these moments in our lives, these moments of difficulty in particular, those moments of loss, those moments help us to focus Oftentimes, it helps us to take an inventory. Maybe in this case, we would take an inventory of other people's lives, and Abraham in particular. Or maybe it would cause us to take an inventory in our life, who we are. But I say to you that this is a great, significant event in the life, not only of the patriarchs, but in the life of a nation and in the life of God's work. I want you to see in Genesis 25, beginning in verse 7, we just have the summary statement given to us. It says, This is the sum of the years of Abraham's life which he lived, 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man and full of years was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah which is before Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried, and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. Now I want you to see as you come to this point that this is the culmination of Abraham's life, and it's also the ending of a chapter the chapter of God's salvation as it is playing out in Abraham's particular experience. The scripture says that Abraham had lived a long life, and he certainly had. The scripture says he was 175 years old when he died. 175. Now think just a moment. When Abraham was called out by God, when he was called to express faith in Genesis chapter 12, when he was called to go to this land of Canaan, do you remember how old he was? He was 75. He was 75 when he started this faith journey. So now God has given him 100 years in the promised land. And the scripture also says about this man that these years were full. In other words, that he had lived them to the fullest extent, that God had somehow satisfied his soul and his life. What do we learn as we read through these passages and as we think of Abraham and the death of the patriarch? I want you to just write down two truths today. First one is this. God can use a man or a woman to make a difference for the kingdom. God can use a man or a woman to make a difference for the kingdom. You say, well, that's not earth-shattering. 
Uh, Brother Reggie, that's not earth-shattering at all. It's just something that we all recognize in our lives. Yeah, but like I said, when we come to the moments of tragedy or we come to the moments of loss, it helps us to focus for a few moments. It helps us to refine. It helps us to reflect upon a life that has been lived. And in Abraham's case, when you think about it, you think about how God has used him. I mean... And he didn't really start his faith journey, so to speak, until he was 75 years old. And yet God used him in a mighty way. What did we learn from Abraham? Well, we learned that he was a faith warrior. He was there in his comfort zone of family and life. And God said to him, I want you to leave everything that you've known. I want you to go into a land that I'm going to show you. God didn't even... He didn't even provide all the details of the property or the land or the resources. He just said, I want you to go. And Abraham went. We learned that he was a faith warrior. We learned that he trusted God. We also, well, we learned he was a military warrior. If you look at his life, you'll see that he is strong, that God gave him the victory, even as others threatened his family, that he had the courage to act And he had the power of God upon his side. He was a military warrior. But not just a military warrior. We know he was a prayer warrior. You remember that time in his life when he recognized what God was about to do. When God revealed to him that he was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What did Abraham do? Abraham turned to his knees. And he prayed. He interceded, if you will, before God. And he asked God... To spare that city. That general, think of this. The general that just led the victory is now begging God to show his mercy and his grace. He was a cultural warrior. He did not want to give in to the Canaanite culture or life. He did not want to allow the world to just consume him. He wanted to be transformed by the renewing of his mind and not be conformed. To the world. Even in all of his difficulties, and he had them. Even in all of his failures, and yes, he had them. What he left was a legacy of faith. 13 plus chapters of Genesis is basically dedicated to this man, Abraham. 13 plus chapters. Each one relating how he was that warrior in different ways different terms he was a man of faith and he left a legacy those 100 years full that god had used him it's amazing to see the story it's amazing to work through it as we have and it's amazing to see how the new testament reflects upon this man abraham in james chapter 2 for example we could read all kinds of new testament chapters or verses that speak about Abraham and his faith. But Genesis chapter 2, I mean James chapter 2, verse 21 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with work, his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. 
what the writer of James does, what James himself does, is he takes the life of Abraham and he shows you what true faith looks like. He says true faith produces works. It produces these good things in life. And he says Abraham is an example of that. Now think, hundreds of years after, hundreds of years after his death, they are still talking about his faith and his works. This man, Abraham. I say to you, when you get to this point of life and you begin to reflect upon who Abraham is and the life that he lived, you all of a sudden begin to realize that God can use a man for his purposes, for his glory. Well, some of you say, well, that's Abraham. I mean, come on, Abraham. I mean, if I were Abraham, I could make a difference too. If I just if if I had that name and you notice the way we the way we use these names even today we take these names of the heroes and we use them often in our own families maybe in a sense hoping we have a hero as well right I mean we'll name them some of these biblical names hoping that they'll turn out like it doesn't always happen does it Especially if they're preacher's kids. It doesn't always happen. But we put these other people on such an elevated plane. All these heroes of the scripture of Peter and Paul and and Moses and Abraham. But remember at the very beginning of this study, I told you, I reminded you that all of these individuals are human individuals. They're flesh and blood just like us. They're given to a sin nature just like we are. Every one of them. Again, I love the way Genesis brings this portrait of Abraham and it tells us the life of Abraham because it tells us the good, the bad, and the ugly, doesn't it? If we were writing the book, we would have left out some of his failures. But yet the scripture gives us the true, genuine look at people's lives so that we'll know that they are real. They face the same challenges we do. So with that in mind, thinking that Abraham is a real individual, flesh and blood, that struggles with the sin nature that we do, we have to look at his overall legacy of faith and be reminded that God can use any man or any woman to make a difference for the kingdom. Any man Or any woman. I want to introduce you to a man that meant a lot to me in my life. His name is Mr. Laverne Stewart. I think we have a picture of him. Now, Mr. Laverne was in the church that I pastored at Pine Grove Baptist in Picayune. Now, I understand I could take all kinds of individuals. I mean, there were people who made a difference in my life at Blue Springs and at Canaan. There are people who made a difference in my life. Zachary, there are people who made a difference here already in my life at Temple. Have I I stopped lately and said, thank you, by the way, for letting me be your pastor? That's a pretty awesome place to be, by the way. I just thank you for that. There are people who made a difference here. Of course, if I'd put your name on the screen, it made a lot of other people mad in this place. I I wouldn't do that this morning, okay? So I thought I would go back to a man that made such a difference in my life. I was a young pastor coming in, Pine Grove Baptist Church, 
The first Sunday there was my 23rd birthday. And I met this man named Laverne Stewart in the process. I came, I came to that point in my life where I recognized that this man, well, he can make some things happen at Pine Grove Baptist Church. He was the patriarch. He was a Pine Grove Baptist Church. He was the trustee, which in many ways in that church was like an elder. He was also the church treasurer. You listen up to the person that signs your check each week, right? He was the treasurer. He was the Sunday school director. He was the janitor. He was there every day of the week. Most of the time during the week, he would come in for about 10 to 20 minutes and he would sit on my couch in my office and we would talk. Sometimes it would be about the mundane things of life in the community. Sometimes we'd talk about the church and we'd talk about the things that were in the best interest of the church. Mr. Laverne always had the best interest of the church at heart. Now, he was kind of gruff. You'd had to know him. I'll never forget the business meetings. The business meetings where he sat there with his arms crossed. The business meetings that he always made the motion to adjourn. <laughs> he became one of my dearest friends. I was there about five years. Now think about it. Some of you who work in a place and every day you see the same person and every day you talk about certain things, especially shared interests and purposes and plans. I became a good friend, Ms. Laverne. There was a large age difference, as you could tell. But I am thankful that friendship is not dependent upon the age group that you're in. And he became a good friend of mine. I remember when I was getting ready to leave Pine Grove and I went to him and I talked with him. He was, um, he was standing in front of our family life center. And I told him that I was, uh, well, it was my last time. He already knew I was leaving, but I was telling him that I was gone and we were moving that day. And he looked at me and he said a couple things. He said, well, one, he said, uh, maybe when you get over to Zachary, you have a little more time than you did here at Pine Grove because you were going to school and you were going to do all these things. Maybe you have a little more time. And I said, why is that? Well, you got to understand, too, Mr. Laverne was a very fit man, exercised, still played uh, full-court basketball every Monday night down at the Y or so, even at his age. So he said, I hope you have a little extra time so you can get in a lot better shape than what you are right now. <laughs> hadn't happened <laughs> and he also looked at me and he said I'm not going to tell you goodbye he said I'm not going to do that I'm just going to say until I see you again I said fine point again he invested in me as a young pastor most of the pastors who had come through Pine Grove had been students at New Orleans Seminary and he had been there through all those years helping us Navigate our way, helping us avoid the landmines, helping us grow the kingdom. And not just to the church, but he would go out, he'd do whatever it took in the community. He and I went out visiting on grow teams. We did other things together. In January of 2007, while I was at Zachary, I received a call. It was a call that Mr. Laverne had been out with his grandson. 
and that he had a massive heart attack and had passed away. I thought to myself, now, what's Pine Grove going to do? I mean, they've had him all these years as this patriarch, as this individual. What are they going to do? They asked me to come back and to preach his service. So I went back to preach his service. Oh, I don't think I mentioned to you that Mr. Laverne's full name is Hayes Laverne Stewart. Some of you who know my older son, his name is Hayes. In many ways after this man. I went back to do the service and I stood there with a grieving family and a grieving church. And they were standing around and they were sitting then together at the service and they were trying to think to themselves, I know they were, what are we going to do? I usually don't bring notes to my pulpit or to the service, but I brought the notes that I found that I had written out for that service. And there were some questions I asked. One, who will go to the bank on Monday morning? Two, who will turn the air and the heat on? Who will sit in the pastor's office virtually every day and talk with his shepherd? Who will burn the garbage? We were out in the country, remember? <laughs> who will ring the bell for Sunday school? Who will put the Sunday school numbers up on the board? Some of you remember the board. Who will now mow the churchyard? But more importantly, who will mow the pastor's yard? <laughs> who will sit in that one choir chair? Who will make the motion to adjourn the business meetings? Those were questions that I made and questions that I gave to that congregation that day. And I told them the same thing. Today, as we recognize the death of Mr. Laverne, we recognize that one man can make a difference. So I say to you, I give you that because I want you to know not only the Abrahams make a difference, but the Lavernes make a difference. We all can make a difference. For the kingdom of God, God can use one man. But get this, this second truth. I want you to get this. But God is greater than one man. But God is greater than one man. Now, don't understand. Don't misunderstand. I want you to see that you can make a difference for the kingdom of God. And you should be. You should be evaluating your life right now and saying, God, what are you asking me to do? Now, I'm not the Abraham necessarily, but you've got a plan for me. And God, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to express that for your kingdom's purposes? And all of us do as long as there's breath in our bodies. As long as there's breath in our bodies, God's got a purpose and a plan for you and for me. So, God, what would you have me to do to make this difference? But also, help me to re remember, God. Help me to remember that you are greater than one man or one woman.
You see, the questions were going on in that church that day of Miss Laverne, like, what would we do? And I was asking the same questions. And then all of a sudden, it flooded my soul and my heart, this reality that God is greater. And God's kingdom and God's purpose and God's plan is so much greater than just one man. And God can achieve what he wants through his power and through his strength. I think that's noted here as you look at the death of Abraham. I mean, the death of Abraham, the patriarch. Can you imagine the questions that were surrounding that family? Isaac? Others? What's going to happen now? Abraham, he was the friend of God. Remember, James even said, Abraham had that relationship with God. He was that friend with God. It was to Abraham that the promise was made, that the faith experience was demonstrated. It was Abraham. What am I going to do? What are we going to do now that Abraham is gone? Isaac and Ishmael in a beautiful picture come together to bury their dad. Both will be blessed in their own respective ways. God's already said that. But then God reminds, I think God reminds Abraham, or reminds the family of Abraham of the promise. In verse 11 it says, and it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. Why is that so significant? It is significant because God is going to continue his promise and his purpose through the life of Isaac. Because God's work and God's salvation is not dependent just upon Abraham. God is now going to work through the family just as he promised Abraham. He is going to work through Isaac and then Jacob and then the nation. God's going to work. Because God's greater than one man. Understand that what we're reading is salvation history. What is God doing? God is eventually going to provide for us the Messiah, the Savior of all the world. God's going to do that. Yes, he began, he knew even before the foundations of the earth were placed in their position. God knew what he was going to do. And God was working toward that. God was working toward it. In Abraham, as he called him as, my, as a part of this faith experience, remember it was going to be through him, through his family, that all of the earth would be blessed. God was going to continue that work. And God's now blessed Isaac. And it's going to continue through Isaac and Jacob, through the nation. Until Matthew 1.1, which begins with the lineage of Abraham all the way down to Jesus. God's going to work. Matthew 1, you ought to go back and read it. I know it's a lot of begats and begots and all of those kinds of things, but it is a faith story. It is salvation history. It is God's promise and God's providence working all the way down to produce for us the Messiah, the Savior. Later in John chapter 4, Jesus will say that it is of the Jews that salvation has come. In other words, God has used that family. God has used that nation. God has used the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bring forth this one, this Jesus. 
Because God is greater than one man. Never forget that. God can use one man, but God is greater. And that helps me. It helps me move through with the promise of God. It helps me to recognize in moments of, moments of difficulty and tragedy that God will continue to fulfill his will and his purpose. Not to say that the life was meaningless. No, the life that was lived was very full of meaning. But to say that God can continue on. A few weeks ago, we finished up our study on Wednesday night of Deuteronomy. And we did it again with the death of Moses. And some of you remember that I gave you some of this same kind of outline. Same kind of truth. Why? Because the people of Israel, as they were looking and experiencing the death of Moses, they had so many questions. Moses, think of him. I mean, the lawgiver, the man who had gone up to God and spoken with God and who had come back down to communicate with the people. Moses, when he passed, the people must have tried to dealt with it just like they did here in Abraham's time. And yet, the same truth comes about. God is greater. God is greater. And God fulfills his promise. And God fulfills his purpose. And God fulfills his work. So today for us, as we consider this passage, I think there are at least two challenges for us that grow out of those two truths. One, again, what are we doing to make a difference for the kingdom of God? If God can use one man or one woman, then what are you doing? Again, some of you say, I'm not Abraham. I say to you, why are you not an Abraham? God wants to use you. But get this, no matter what, God's greater than any of us. And he's greater than one man and one woman. And he'll see his purpose and his will complete. That is the great comforting word of God to us. That God will see his work accomplished. May we rest in that today. And may we be challenged to live for him. Wherever we are. Whatever circumstance we face. May we demonstrate our faith and our trust. May we demonstrate our fruit in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do bless your name this morning. And God, I am thankful for the men and the women that you have used. Lord, those that you've used in your salvation history in the Old Testament, the New Testament. <laughs> Lord, those that you've used even now during this church age. Lord, thank you. Thank you for those that you've used in particular here at Temple Baptist Church. Lord, not just, Lord, not just to build an inward focus, but those, Lord, that have helped us to See the outward focus of your kingdom and missions and work. God, thank you. And God, now I pray that you would challenge us. God, that this day, no matter what our age, 
no matter what our background. Father, that you would challenge us as believers to make a difference for your kingdom. God, it may be in our workplace tomorrow. Lord, it may be in our family's life. Maybe as we prepare even for school. God, I pray that you would show us the impact that you can have through one man and one woman as your spirit empowers and works. Father, I pray that today in this place, as we commit our lives to you, as we come to this place, that we also, Lord, recognize your power and your strength to accomplish your purpose and your plan. Father, thank you for seeing to it that your will is done. Thank you for providing Jesus himself for our salvation, for our life. Lord, now we pray that you would bless us through this time of invitation. Help us respond as you call us. Help us surrender. In Jesus' name.